So when you have a hard conversation with your boss or when you get a project that you feel overwhelmed with, and all of a sudden, all of those old patterns, all of those old responses, those limiting beliefs come flooding back. Mm-hmm. You have the awareness now to say, whoa, wait a minute, that's not serving me anymore. I'm not going to get stronger listening to that voice. Mm. I just proved to myself on the bike, I can go an extra five miles. I just proved to myself in that squat, I can do 10 more pulses. And I've created this ability in the mindset that I can do hard things. So I can do this too. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. I'm going to do a little bit of a different interview today. This is an interview all about how you can keep your mind healthy by keeping your body healthy. And this is something I'm a big believer in. I'm a serious cyclist. That's my drug of choice. Uh, And so through this pandemic, I've been on my trainer in a world called Zwift for any of you who are also fellow roadies and then now back outside as things uh, start to open up and there's always good things that happen for me when I'm on the bike I do some of my best thinking there I feel better and I have more energy and there are reasons for that and talking about those reasons is my guest today and so I'll uh, I'll welcome to the podcast Matt Harrison enjoy the interview So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast is Nat Harrison. And Nat, you are the founder and, and I guess uh, president as well of Soar Studio. So welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bart. I appreciate you having me. Uh, for those who may not know Soar, and, and it is a, it's a new brand, I got to know you indirectly through my wife, Emily. And you know, I think it was uh, three or four months ago, Emily said, look, I've been going to these classes with the studio it's a high intensity core and, and training program and you know, I'm loving it. There's a great community. I'm feeling energized and feeling lifted up. And so I, you know, I said, it sounds great. And she said, you should come. And so I came to one of your classes and was absolutely destroyed. And as someone who- yeah, You did great. Like, <laughs> it was humbling. I remember you know, I was really energized and I thought, you know, this is more than just an exercise class. There was clearly a sense of community. And then Emily obviously joined your teacher training program, which she's been passionate about. And then COVID hit. And I think, you know, what, what I really saw from you is that you have brought to so many people more than just exercise. You've brought community. You've brought uh, a mindset shift that has energized and inspired during a really dark time. And so you aren't my traditional guest on the Inspire podcast, but I think, you know, people who listen want to know about leaders from all walks of life, and you bring a, such a unique perspective of what it takes to lift people up and in a positive way during this time. So I wanted to have you on to talk about your, your leadership. That's very kind. I'll take that introduction. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so let me let you expand on your intro and maybe walk back because I know you've had, a, you've had a really interesting career path that has led you to founding this community. Tell me about what's brought you to this point. 
Yeah. So I have a very traditional marketing background. Um, I'm an East Coast girl that moved to Toronto to go to Ryerson. I did a business degree. And then I went into very traditional marketing like CPG. I worked at PepsiCo and brand management on unbelievable brands like Gatorade and brand Pepsi. And then I moved on to Nike where I was fortunate enough to lead the women's category for Canada. And I really, I got to a point in my life and, you know, a lot of women may be able to relate to this and probably a lot of men as well, but I started a family and I had two young children um, and I was contemplating going back to Nike after my second mat leave. And I just made the very difficult decision to not go back and to try to find some sort of balance for my family by working at home. And, you know, I always joke with the, a lot of the women in our community, um, because it is a very special woman that can stay home full time with their children. And I am not one of those women. And I found myself very quickly, like within two months, just deciding that I was very unhappy. And so I had to find this new balance where, you know, I wasn't always on in a corporate environment as well as trying to be the mom I wanted to be, as well as, you know, still finding purpose and finding some joy in other activities. So I look to areas of my life that I've always been very passionate about naturally and organically. And that became movement and nutrition. And, you know, I've always been very open with our community and I believe vulnerability is very important. I believe it's a bridge to connection. And I believe that one of the reasons that I gravitated towards nutrition and movement and wanting to learn more about it is because of my own struggles, my own uh, weight loss, you know, journey with the ebbs and flows, my constant chase for, you know, I'm a multiple marathon Ironman finisher, my um, that chase for kind of that adrenaline and what's next and moving my bodies and different, my body in different ways. So mm-hmm. I started to, while taking care of my children full time, I started to get certified as a nutritionist, as a bar, a spin, a Pilates, a yoga, every form of movement type of trainer. And as I did that, one of my biggest ways of learning, my biggest way of learning is to teach. And so right away, I opened up my backyard to the community. This was almost four years ago now. And I had, you know, four women show up the first night and then seven the following week and then 10 the week after that. And I just started teaching. I just said, listen, this is the type of movement that I'm doing right now. And it was primarily boot camp style at, at that time. And we just started moving together. And then when my backyard wasn't big enough, we took it and we rented studio space um, at a local dance studio. And then when that became too big for me to manage, I started hiring trainers to help me fill some of the gaps and get to a position where we were moving multiple times in a day, not just multiple times a week. We had different class variations. And then when that got to be a little bit too too big for us, then we opened up Source Studio, which we literally did. Art, I kid you not, we opened our doors on April 6th, two weeks after COVID-19 shut <laughs> everything down. You know, you had this dream job at Nike, it sounds like. I mean, I, you know, it's a phenomenal brand. It sounds like you had a, a national role. So what was missing from that, that position that uh, caused you to, to look elsewhere? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said that I was in my dream job. If you could ask anyone, you know, who Nat Harrison was before children, it was corporate, powerhouse, motivated, mm. always climbing the next rung on the ladder, 
working um, a significant amount of time, which I believe is why I was able to be successful. So I was working very long days, long hours, and I loved it. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't not like it. That was the thing. Um, And then there came to that point in my life, a bit of a crossroads where, you know, I really struggled. And part of this is my own healing process around being a perfectionist um, and my pattern around control. But I really struggled with being good at my job, being good as a wife and being good as a parent. And so that's where I made the difficult decision that I just wanted to focus on these early years with my children that I knew were limited from everything I heard. I wanted to focus on them. And then when focusing on them full time was just not making me happy, which is also, Mm. I acknowledge, very important, then that's where I look to find that new balance. So while, you know, I explained it to people where while building the community existed in the beginning called Well and Tight before it became Store Studio. And in the beginning, I had a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I was working in the evenings. I was working at nap time. I was working on the weekends. But it was, and there was stress in my life for sure, just like there was stress in my life corporate job. But I called this joyful stress. Mm. There is something about building something that is your own that is very joyful and rewarding. And the stress, I embody it differently. It doesn't mm. feel as heavy as when I was in a corporate environment, constantly trying to rethink my next step. Hmm. And I think a lot of people now are going through stress, you know, with COVID, with isolation, with financial pressures, with uncertainty, and, you know, the role of movement and getting to positive stress, I think is something that people are, are looking for. So maybe talk a bit about, you know, the philosophy that emerged during that time and you know what it is today and i think there are important lessons there for for everyone it's so fascinating you say that you know i mentioned earlier around my own fluctuation of weight and that driving my passion around nutrition Mm -hmm. and it was really my my own struggle with anxiety for my whole life anxiety perhaps depression that allowed me to be very passionate about movement because i learned very early in my age so when i was in university my first year of university my mom had to fly from new brunswick to toronto and pull me out of school for about 3 weeks i lost almost 20 pounds oh um, in those first 2 weeks i couldn't eat i couldn't sleep i thought i would have to be hospitalized i was going through rolling panic attacks um, massive anxiety and it was the first time in my life that i was able to give a name to what I believe I'd Mm. experienced my whole life as a child, Mm. which is generalized anxiety disorder. And, you know, it's funny, I I think one of the things that drives everything that I do in our studio and in our classes is uh, I walked into a doctor's office and we finally figured out what was happening with me. And she prescribed me antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And while I do firmly believe that there is a role for medication in many people's lives, I knew in my heart that that was not the answer to what I was experiencing. Hmm. And so I walked out of that doctor's office and I threw away the prescription. Hmm. And I decided that if I needed to go back, I would. But my mom being the powerhouse that she was, she stood by my side and together we navigated different ways to help me manage my anxiety and live a very happy and fulfilled life. And so when my anxiety is triggered, one of the things that I turn to is movement. And movement in the way that we do it at Source Studio, it's very unconventional. <laughs> you experienced it yourself, yes. Bart. It's not your typical movement. But really, you know, our tagline at, at Source Studio is we move the body. So we move the physical body. And 
order to experience a shift in the mind. And we actually help you navigate that. So yes, we'll cue a squat, but we also cue the dialogue that's happening in the discomfort of the squat. And we mm. help you choose a response. So what does that mean? Because I think you're, you're tapping into something, you know, we know, I know for me as a serious cyclist, you know, being on the bike is during this time, even it's on the home, the home trainer, it's just so fundamentally important for mental health. So what happens when you move the body in your mind? Yeah, so there's there's definitely a chemical and hormonal response that happens, right? These endorphins, we feel good. Um, but I believe there's this very unique opportunity when we're in movement to explore. It's a very safe space where we can explore how we respond to discomfort. So when we move our body, when you're on your bike or when we're in one of our classes doing Pilates or high-intensity interval training or even yoga, any, any form of movement, when we're intentionally engaging discomfort, we get to watch the response that the brain gives us. And this response is not new. This is an old pattern that we have always had. And so we get to see, so I'll give you the example of the mm-hmm. squat. You start to squat. And then all of a sudden, the burning sensation, that beautiful burn that we look for, we call it the booty bonfire, um, <laughs> it, starts to, it starts to come up. And so in that moment, there's this beautiful space that happens where we get to listen and we see all of a sudden the thoughts that are generated to get us out of the discomfort. The mind does not like discomfort. It wants to come up out of it. It's going to tell you to fix your hair. It's going to tell you to grab a sip of water. It's going to tell you that you had a long bike ride yesterday, so you shouldn't push it today. Hmm. All of these excuses come up and you get to watch them. And when we guide you through them, then you get to decide, okay, is this really what I want? Do I want to come up out of this or do I want to stay and do I want to get stronger? Mm -hmm. And so we then choose a different response. We choose, I can and I will. I absolutely can say, I can do this. I've got this. I've done hard things before. I can do hard things again. And we create a new pattern. Hmm. We create a new response that allows us to stay in the discomfort. Because what's so wonderful to realize is that that squat, it's symbolizing discomfort outside the studio, Hmm. right? So when you have a hard conversation with your boss, or when you get a project that you feel overwhelmed with, And all of a sudden, all of those old patterns, all of those old responses, those limiting beliefs come flooding back. Mm -hmm. You have the awareness now to say, whoa, wait a minute, that's not serving me anymore. I'm not going to get stronger listening to that voice. Mm. I just proved to myself on the bike, I can go an extra five miles. I just proved to myself in that squat, I can do 10 more pulses. And I've created this ability in the mindset that I can do hard things. So I can do this too. So it's really about being able to have self-awareness over what you're going through and build resilience in terms of your capacity to deal with that. Absolutely. It's all about awareness. You have, I mean, you've resolved 80% of the difficulty with just that simple awareness of acknowledging the voice, the inner voice, what Mm -hmm. it is saying. Yeah. And deciding, okay, is this what's going to serve Mm -hmm. me or not going forward? Is this going to get me to my goals? You know, I know I need to get outside my comfort zone. I know Mm -hmm. I need to do that thing that scares me and is uncomfortable. And now in the safe space of the studio, our training ground, we call it, we realize that we can and that we're okay. So once, once we have this, this this self-awareness around discomfort and you know, what we're experiencing, What's, what's the next step? I mean, what do you do then once you're like, okay, I'm in discomfort and maybe mm-hmm. the patterns I've had aren't working. What, what do you then help people with? 
Yeah. So I have an exercise that I do with people where, you know, I get them to write down something that they really want to do, something that they want to achieve, something that scares them. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when they embody that, I get them to close their eyes. I get them to imagine them doing it. Like they see Mm. themselves achieving this victory, right? They see themselves there arrived. And then when they're there, I ask them, okay, what are all the reasons that you think you can't do it? Right. Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I don't have the experience. So all of these limiting beliefs that the excuses that have held you back this mm-hmm, far. Mm-hmm. And then we look at those stories and I ask them to rewrite them. Hmm. So when you hear that limiting belief, what will you say instead? Because now you have the awareness. There you are. You say, I'm not good enough. Okay. When we hear that, when we hear I'm not good enough, what are we going to say instead going forward? Hmm. What new response are we going to remind ourselves of and strengthen instead? It's like, it's it's as simple as when I say I can't, Mm -hmm. you say instead I can. And how do you reframe it? How do you redirect yourself into a more positive space? Hmm. When you feel the stress building, and this is the wonderful thing too, is sometimes language is a bit too much of a barrier. And so we take language right out of it. And we say, okay, how do you feel in your body, right? We take it right down to those physical reactions and an example of my anxiety, right? So I feel a tightness in my chest. I feel a nausea in my belly. I feel a heat building through my physical self. Now I've identified the feelings that I know are triggered by anxiety. Mm -hmm. So when I start to feel those, instead of spiraling into these thoughts that aren't serving me and taking me even deeper into the anxiety, I take a breath and I watch those feelings and I try to shift. I try to use language or I just try to, I want to feel a lightness in my chest. Hmm. So it's giving you distance and almost being able to step back and have a different different narrative, a different self-talk rather than being caught up in the spiral of anxiety. Yeah. And I don't, and I believe that until you identify your limiting stories or your Mm -hmm. limiting patterns, until you sit down and say, okay, this thought is not serving me anymore. Hmm. Then only then can you catch yourself in that thought because I guarantee you it will come back Mm -hmm. and you can shift it into a new positive space because you've decided that next time you hear, I can't, you are instead Mm going to say, I can Hmm. as many times as you need to. And I know, I imagine, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, here you are, you've just taken this leap of building this new studio and boom, Corona hits. So are you practicing this technique for yourself? And if so, what's it kind of taking you through? Yeah. You know what, Bart? It's so funny. As much of awareness as I have, I still get caught in my own spiraling. (laughs) Um, The first four weeks I was in, um, so let's say, you know, mid-March to mid-April, I was in this heavy, heavy space of fear. Hmm. And I didn't even realize it. I was in reactive mode. I was building virtual um, platforms that we could take our classes on. Mm -hmm. I was making sure that every single member felt like their needs were being met. I was developing all of this new content to keep people engaged, right? And then all of a sudden, it was so, it was just this moment where I finally took my head up out of my computer and said, how do I feel? (laughs) I feel really heavy. I feel really scared. I feel really in all of these feelings that I knew were fear related, right? They were, that was Mm -hmm. my awareness, my triggers. It made me snap right Mm. out of it and say, okay, I want to shift into a space of hope. I want to shift into a space of optimism. And what I did was I literally came up out of it and I started feeling what it feels like 
to feel hope, to feel optimism. I started thinking of things that I was, I didn't make a gratitude list. I started embodying the feeling of ingratitude, of gratitude of all of the members that have stuck with us, of all of the, you know, the trainers and all of the work that they had done to keep people engaged Mm -hmm. from their home, even though their life had been turned upside down as well. And so by shifting into that space, all of a sudden, this lightness came over me and all of a sudden I could create again and I was in this space. So did it happen just like that, even though I knew it needed to? No. But did I eventually come around again and then use my tools that I knew worked to shift into this better place that I could start creating from again? Absolutely. Hmm. Well, I think it's a great example of this is, you know, it's you're practicing what you preach and it's a real tool that you can use to get through these difficult times that everyone's dealing with. You know, another concept I've heard you mention is this idea of courageous confidence. Maybe you could elaborate on what that refers to for you. So when we're going back to the analogy of um, the squat, I truly believe that in that squat, while we're intentionally engaging discomfort, by choosing to stay in the discomfort, we are normalizing discomfort. So we have been taught all our life that discomfort is bad. Even in a human nature fight or flight response system, we are taught that as soon as life gets hard, we need to take flight. Mm -hmm. We need to to remove ourselves from the discomfort. We have to pick up our phone. We have to look at social media. Mm -hmm. We have to grab the bottle of wine. We've got to eat too much. We are constantly (laughs) numbing ourselves, distracting ourselves from experiencing this discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that when we stay in the discomfort and we experience it, then we create a new ability within ourselves. And that new ability of I can do hard things, of look at me go, if I can do this, I can do anything, that becomes the courageous confidence Mm -hmm. to be able to take that lesson of the squat, staying in the discomfort and seeing how much stronger you get because of it out into the world. And I believe you have to be courageous. Yeah, I, th- I like that. I like this idea of courageous confidence. I mean, I think that's that's why your program is so powerful. I know not just for my wife, but also for the community here, because you know you're really getting at these kind of deeper leadership practices for you know building resilience. And um, another one I know that that you've talked about is creating a new ability. Can you elaborate a bit on that and and what you know we should keep in mind on that side? Yeah. So the new ability, I mean, this is where the power in our classes really comes because we all like our brain, its function is to generate thought. Mm -hmm. However, the brain can only generate thought based on what we have done in the past, based on what someone has told us in the past, based on what someone has accomplished in the past. And really, I mean, everybody has a different label for it, but I call it my heart space your soul, your spirit, but that space of knowingness inside you, only that space knows what you are Mm -hmm. capable of. So if you rely on the brain, the thought that is being generated by the brain to dictate all of your actions, all of your responses, then you will stay stuck in what you know or have known. Mm. But when you deep, like when you go within and you listen to that little voice, that knowingness, like you know, you know, because it feels right. Then, only then can you operate from a space of what you are capable of and what's to come. So that's where we create that ability to tap into that space. 
to then operate from a knowingness of all that is possible, all of the potential that you can be and that you can accomplish versus what's happened in the past or what someone told you you should be or do. So the ability is to to open yourself up to new possibilities, to new development. Yeah, I, I truly believe that when someone walks in our room and they do, you know, we start doing a minute of burpees and they're like, oh, the voice starts, right? <laughs> Forget it. I've, I've never right. done five burpees, let alone <laughs> a minute of burpees. Mm-mm. Okay, we're going to take a breath and we're going to do one at a time and we're going to stick together. And then all of a sudden they've done 15 and 10 minutes and they've created a new ability in the mindset to be like, oh, well, wait a minute. The mind told me I could only do five. Why, why did I listen to that? Hmm. Look at me. I just did 15, right. right? So we coach you through that with our cues and our techniques and our own theme work. And, and it becomes much more than a burpee. It becomes a new ability, a new confidence that you can do hard things, including a minute of burpees nonstop. <laughs> well, we, we use your line of you can do hard things for our kids now, you know, when they're, oh, when they're yeah. dealing with frustration. <laughs> so you remember you could do it. Doesn't, I will say it doesn't always work, but it gets through to them some of the time. <laughs> well, you are building, you are building um, an ability, a pattern in them that you may not see right now, but they will, yeah. they will reap the rewards later in life. I have no doubt. It will come, you know, and I think that's, that's it. You know, I had my um, eight year old out on the bike the other day and we're trying to learn a new skill around, bunny hopping it's you know where you lift the front wheel and you lift the back rail and and we'd watched a video and that he couldn't do it he's really struggling he's like this is so hard i can't do it and so it's we talked about how you have to work at the skill and develop it and and so i I don't know i think it got through somewhat but i think you know it's a good lesson for us as we go through this right it's you know we do we can't just anchor onto what we've been able to do in the past. We have to be open, particularly during this time when the world is changing so fast, be open to what, what is possible for us. Yeah. I think we need to become a little bit more flexible too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I think we just need to understand that times have changed Hmm. and our old way, you know, it's not going to serve us. And so how can, and by opening ourselves up Hmm. to, you know, new ways of doing things, it becomes like, I mean, a ton of hope and optimism lives there. Like all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more challenging and difficult. Yes, because we are carving a new path. We're creating literally a new pathway in the mind and the brain. Um, And that takes time to, you know, make that feel like the new norm again. And and I bet a lot of people listening, you know, um, we're seven, eight weeks into our COVID-19 isolation. And I bet it feels a lot different than the first four weeks, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all right, we're adapting, we're finding new ways. And now it's easier, even though it is very different still. Well, and it's been hugely valuable. I mean, I've suffered through a few of your classes. <laughs> through this. Hopefully many more. Bye. Yes, hopefully. But for those who are listening, who would love to get a sample and experience the class and experience the community, where should they go? Yeah, you can go to soarstudio.com. So S-A-O-R. So soar is Gaelic. It's, um, hmm. It means to be free, which is what we're all um, in search of, I believe. Uh, better than um, so S-O-R-E soar. studio. Yes. yes, I mean, there's a little play on words there. You're yes. definitely going to leave soar. There's a beautiful physical um, workout that happens. But, you know, we really say that we, um, we, we work our three selves, our physical hmm. self, 
our intellectual self and our spiritual self. It's it's not just about the body and our space, which I love. Um, so you can go to sourcestudio.com or our Instagram account. We do live um, Instagram classes that you can experience for yourself. And that's S-A-O-R underscore studio. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your philosophy. And now that I hear more about it, I mean, first of all, kudos to you for having that courageous confidence to leave behind your dream job and embrace movement, embrace mindfulness and create something that is obviously really filling your bucket and being there for so many people during this time. And, you know, I think the the secret that I'm, I'm, I'll give to you is you may be in the fitness business, but you're really in the leadership business because I think you're teaching the skills that all leaders need to, you know, inspire themselves, be resilient and then reach others. So thanks for sharing your philosophy. I'm certainly taking a lot away. That's so kind of you. I believe that we are all leaders in very many um, capacities that we show up very differently from in front, from behind, from within, from the side. So I love that you said that. Thank you. Thanks, Nat. Thanks a lot, Bart. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nat Harrison. It uh, cuts to some of the reasons why I think physical fitness and spending time uh, being active is so crucial, uh, especially during a, con- a time like this when our energy and our mindset have to be reframed. I mean, that is maybe in the fitness business, but really she's in the leadership business and I think her principles are powerful ones for us all. Next time on the podcast, I bring on my second politician ever. Uh, his name is Dimitri Nicolaitis, and he is a uh, minister in the Alberta provincial government. And he's also an ex-member of the Humphrey Group. And so really proud to have one of our alum serving in office. And um, like Arif Riani, who I had on the podcast earlier, just an example of someone with deep commitment to public service, a willingness to be a great listener, and to uh, often deal with the tough situations that you have when you're in politics. So some good lessons from a communication standpoint from one of our own who uh, crossed into the political realm. So That'll be next on the Inspire Podcast. And until then, stay safe and be inspiring.